This is GoPowerCat.com publisher Tim Fitzgerald. Thank you for listening to this PowerCat podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode of the PowerCat podcast by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast network. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com. We cover the Wildcats like no one else with our VIP customers enjoying one-of-a-kind coverage from our team of professional journalists. And sign up today for an annual subscription to GPC and grab a 30% discount on your first year. And now here's the PowerCat Podcast. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Insiders Podcast, presented by Commerce Bank, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, part of the GoPowerCat.com daily podcast. I am well-rested because I didn't travel, but the men in the room with me did. I'm Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of Go Power Cat. To my left is Kellis Robinette of the Wichita Eagle and Kansas City Star. To my right is Mr. Matt Walters of the Kansas State Radio Sports Radio Network thingy-majig. Sideline guy, pre- and post-game guy, equipment guy, bus driver guy. Head janitor. Head janitor. Always cleaning it up. That's my buddy Matt, and straight across from me is not Ryan Black. <clears throat> now, <laughs> Ryan uh, texted me. You have to recreate the southern accent. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan hey, did we get that filter yet? Texted me that uh, he couldn't make it, and he was real sorry. And I don't like to racially profile, but I'm suspecting something NASCAR-related was going on. As a white southerner, it's probably like a NASCAR fantasy driver draft or something weird. Are you going to throw him under the bus like you did me for not being here last week? Absolutely. This is going to be how it works. You don't show up, you get crucified, or worse yet, you get replaced by Riley Gates of Go Parka. <laughs> So, I got everyone of that. Wow. It's not like, you know, you pay me or anything like that, and yet at the same time, I am the worst option. <laughs> uh, well, I thought about having a run, but he didn't go. You went. And that's so, right. uh, I, and that's important to me because that's kind of the angle I want to start off here with. Uh, Kellis, how was that road trip? Seriously, I mean, how was the experience in, what is it? Why can't they get Davis? Davis, Davis Wade. Wade. Davis Wade. It sounds like a Southern fraternity guy's name. It's like a car dealership. It yeah. seems like it should be the opposite. Wade Davis. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> the one that rolls off the tongue. Mixing that up. And I'll never forget it. Thank you. <laughs> How was Davis Wade? The stadium was good. Um, I mean, that's really all I got to see of Starkville. It's a really isolated place. Flew into Memphis, drove into town, left town. So I can't tell you anything else about Starkville other than the stadium. But nice place. Um, not many fans at the stadium. That's probably why they have so many cowbells because they need them for the noise. But <laughs> it was loud. It's the first time I've sat in an outdoor press box since Yankee Stadium. Oh, yeah. 
when it was five degrees and this was a hundred. So I've seen both polar opposites there. Um, the cowbells that the interesting thing I thought about it was, uh, the first 15 minutes of cowbells, I thought it was the loudest, most annoying thing I've ever heard. I even put my <laughs> earphones on just to my head, my noise canceling headphones on just to drown them out. But by halftime, I didn't even notice them anymore. I wonder if it's that same way for players that after a quarter, they just can block it out. And Matt, you were on the field. How were the cowbells? Uh, you got your headset on, of course. Yeah, it, I mean, it was it was loud. I noticed them, but then it became white noise. Uh, I was trying to before the game. I wanted to see if these were like specially made cowbells, if they're all different or what. But they're very similar. A lot of them have the same. But uh, I was trying to compare it to the paddle people at Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, which that's just the rhythmic thumping of the pads. Uh, I mean, it was cool. It was neat to see it for the first time. They do certain things with certain songs that are played. Uh, I thought the stadium, when you go someplace for the first time, it's always really unique. It's like, and you can speak to this because you play a lot of golf, Kellis. I like playing a golf course for the first time just because you have no idea what it's like. Well, on TV, that place looks a lot bigger than it really is. And you can tell they don't like 11 o'clock games. And then when the heat index is 105, they really don't like it. But it was it was cool. It reminded me of the city, reminded me of Waco, just pulling into town. Well, that's a lovely comparison. Fairly, fairly well kept. There was a lot of brick. They have a ridiculous college baseball stadium. Yeah. Um, uh, which, was, which was cool to see for the first time. But I didn't see a lot of it. I, can I give a shout-out to one restaurant, though? Sure. If you ever go back to Starkville, go to Bulldog Burger Company. Okay. That yeah. was good. Yeah, legit. Zach was set on cookout. Did you did, do cookout? We did cookout, and it was good, but, like, that, that just sounds good. The name Bulldog Burger Company. I, I bet it had an amazing burger, and it now was, I'm really it upset. Was legit. It wasn't made of bulldog, was it? No, that'd be bad. No. It was, <laughs> that'd be bad. It was um, very similar to what I consider one of the top two hamburgers in Manhattan. That's at Solong Saloon, the Resist Temptation. Oh. oh. Yep. I do like that burger. They had tots sprinkled with truffle <laughs> stuff. And then really good cheese curds. That was my one legit meal for the week. Nice. Riley, how was Davis Wade? Oh, that was fine. Um, I un- Well, first off, I underestimated the cowbells. I didn't think they were going to be a big deal. Then they were really loud. And then I was a lot like these guys where once you got used That's to it, it's, it's kind of like, meh, whatever. And at the end of the day, that few people shaking their cowbells, I feel like, is equivalent to a full stadium yelling and they had to stop shaking the cowbells obviously like at the snap at the start of the play or whatever Did, was so, that was that well enforced yeah they would yeah everybody pretty much stopped yep. their their video board says like uh no more bell no, just yell just yell yeah that's what it says and hmm. so when that happens they stop it so it i don't know i think it's kind of just because it's so unique it kind of gets built up a lot but uh i don't know i thought the stadium was cool i thought it was uh, a fun environment to be in for the fans that were there, it was empty, and I would like to see it full, but I'm glad K-State didn't have to play in a full environment like that because it would have been a lot tougher. Uh, Not a very modern stadium. That's just weird to me. I'd like to speak to Gene Taylor because if he ever wants to schedule another non-con Power 5 matchup, I want to make sure their press box is indoors. Ugh. 
That's just weird to me. The amount of money that conference is making, and they've got stadiums in disrepair or not updated. It's just weird. I was, I was not comfortable. You know, it how seemed I like they put all their money in that one. Was it the south end zone? The jumbotrons or the yeah on, on the north and south end zones. The press box looked like it hadn't been touched in about forty years. Yeah, I hadn't seen one that old since North Texas. The Ooh. jumbo the jumbotrons are about three blocks long. They're I mean they're mammoth, but the press box was. To be honest, there was a little bit of a breeze on the field to keep it bearable, but doing post-game in the booth, that was worse because I just swept profusely. It was awful. Mm, 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 Let's survive. Mm. Good stuff. I hear a report that we overran Restaurant Tyler. Restaurant Tyler had a large K-State contingent. Um, and a lot of people went simply because of Ryan Black's endorsement <laughs> in which he could not remember the name of Restaurant Tyler. But I added that because it was Tyler. And Tyler was sitting <laughs> in for Matt. I think Ryan's just ashamed, so he took the week off. At least people listen. You know people listen now. They do, yeah. <laughs> I can tell people listen by the downloads. I don't suppose they're just downloading it to sit around with it. I know one group of people that listen. That's the folks over at Commerce Bank, our sponsor of the PowerCat Insiders Podcast. Commerce Bank has the technology and the people to help with whatever financial challenges come your way. Commerce Bank, challenge accepted. Okay, Kellis, at what point in the game did you, just, did you decide that K-State couldn't win this game because they were screwing it up? Mine was right before half when they scored the test. I'm like, okay, well, it was a nice effort, but this thing's not going to fall K-State's way. Um, and pretty much right before Malik Knowles returned the touchdown, I thought they were going to lose. They were in big I trouble thought, at that yeah, point. Yeah, I thought Miss, or, yeah, Mississippi State had all the momentum, and Kansas State hadn't scored in the third quarter. They were just kind of you know, plodding along, making mistakes here and there. I thought Mississippi State was going to win, but then – Kansas State flipped the script and and turned it back. It was a an interesting ending. I'm not saying I uh, really saw that, but coming. But it was just kind of funny to notice if you were monitoring social media, people were basically in a complete panic. <laughs> Kansas State fans going in the fourth quarter that you know K State had never been in a worse position football wise. But then uh, you look at the score and it's, it's like, a- hey guys, it's only <laughs> they're only down seven. You know, there's still 15 minutes left and. Credit to Chris Kleiman. That's what he said all season is that he wants to be a fourth-quarter team, go into, the, go into that part of the game close or ahead, and they'll win. And, man, they did it. They sure owned the fourth quarter. Yeah, Maddie, they were a good fourth-quarter team. They looked fresher, and it looked like they'd worn out Mississippi State. And everything that they had done previously in the game seemed to set up uh, the Bulldogs for that play-action toss between Thompson and Chun. It's the benefits of playing as many people as K-State has played. Yeah. And that's where the the – the calculus comes in with the freshmen. What games do you play them in? What games don't you play them in? Uh, I'm like Kellis and probably everybody else. When Mississippi State goes up seven, you know, with the the special teams miscues that had taken place, and it had not been a good th- a good third quarter at all for K State. I thought eh, this is this is not going well. But I had I had that little voice, and I'm being as serious as Kellis is wearing a Braves hat right now. <laughs> he is. I had that little voice say, "So very serious." Watch out, kickoff return. And the other thing I thought before Knowles took it 100 yards was, if you go back and watch the tape, and maybe you noticed this live or watching it, Fitzy is when he caught it, he didn't take off right away. 
it, it was like it was like a one thousand one. And what that does is that allows the kickoff team to get a couple more steps down the field, which I think lessens how how well you cover a kickoff, which means more angles, more alleys. And when he took that beat, I thought, if this gets blocked right, and sure enough, he didn't get touched and scores. But it was that was a wild game. It was really entertaining. You know, it struck me, Riley, this is my second season of sitting out road games, but really the first game where I felt like I was truly at a disadvantage not being there as a journalist attempting to uh, interpret the game. I couldn't quite get a feel for what was going on. So you might have gotten a sense that K-State was cool, calm, and collected despite all the problems, but that's impossible to get up from TV. No, I I, I really didn't. I was a lot like these guys, though. Never mind. In that third quarter. I mean, yeah, like in the fourth quarter, it felt better once they kind of started piecing some things together. But I want to say it was the second offensive possession they had. They stalled out real quick, and that's just kind of the moment where I was like, yeah, this, is, this isn't this is going to go well. I started writing. You know, I had I had a lot. I had a lot on the Pokes game edge done already, so that was great. I had to go back and scrap all that, so it was fun. But uh it just, you know, you come right out of the gates and you're like, all right, things kind of went south there at the end of the first half, but you're going to regroup. You can kind of come back out now and, and punch them in the mouth again, and immediately they give the ball back. And then it just it didn't feel like they had it in them. It felt like they used all their gas in the first half. So I, I don't know. I don't know what gave me that feel or, like, how they were able to overcome the fact that, like, they were not in a good spot in our eyes, and yet they, they still managed to come back and win the game. I was really impressed with that, and especially given the fact that they had so many things going wrong. The running game wasn't working as well in the third quarter. They had blatant drops. Nick Leonard's got hit square in the hands with a pass, dropped it. Dalton Schoen, an easy pass, dropped it. It just seemed like everything was adding up to not go their way. Kellis, I was really struck by the change in – context or approach that Chris Kleiman has. Mistakes, they happen. It's football. We expected adversity. Really just kind of not glossing it over, but putting it back on the players. I'll let you worry about it. You know, you you can take care of it. I'm not I don't need to bitch at you. I know you feel bad about this. And then we saw the clip from the locker room. You know, some guys made mistakes, but we need you. It was very fascinating to me and it seems to connect with this team. Yeah, and that was one of the things that I think made this game difficult for people who've been watching Kansas State for a long time to comprehend just because it went so differently from the Bill Snyder era. I can't really recall a game where Kansas State made that many mistakes and gifted the other team so many points and still won. I mean, if that had been last year, Bill Snyder would have come in and spent his entire press conference complaining about <laughs> Uh, if they'd made one of those mistakes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they made, you know, four or five mistakes that in the past would have, been, would have been backbreakers. But that's one of the things I wrote about after the game was that uh, at halftime, he just sat him down and said, you know what? I'm not going to talk about the negatives. You're the better team. Just go keep playing and we'll win. And same thing in the second half, you know. He's a guy who, if, if there's a holding call, as long as it was an aggressive holding call, he's okay with it. Um, and I think that that's just something that this team – needed after the old approach for somebody to come in and say, you know what, it's all right, keep playing, and they've clearly responded to it. Can I throw out something? Yeah, go. In watching that game unfold, a handful of things became apparent to me, and I, if it lasts all year, we'll see it. One, 
the value of K-State's offensive line and defensive line is totally different than last year. I mean, K-State's defensive line really doesn't have anybody new on it and was not great last year. They're at a different level, and they took it to Mississippi State. Um, That's That was my most shocking thing from the game. K-State's offensive line, mostly the same guys, minus Reisner, who's getting paid millions now. They've taken it to a different level. The other thing that really stood out, two things on Mississippi State side, is how good Errol Thompson is. The linebacker would really like to have him more in my uniform if I'm a coach. And to see what happens to Mississippi State the rest of the year, because their secondary is not very good. Are they tall? Are they athletic? Yeah. They got bodies? Yeah. But they're not a good secondary. Interesting. I thought it was the most impressive dominant running game that wasn't dominant. You go back and look at the stats, and you kind of go, eh. But it was effective. It did what it needed to do through the course of the game, and it wreaked havoc on that defense, and the fourth quarter opened up a little bit. Got tired of getting hit in the mouth. Yep. It shows what he wants to do with the running game. You you, you can't keep getting hit and want to be in there. That early run by Gilbert. Oh, yeah. That's the, the best run of the year so far. Yeah. I mean, Second, he broke like, effort. broke like six tackles. That was – that was, that, was that the Skyler? That to set up the Skyler touchdown, or yeah, wait, okay, yes, that's what Skyler I thought it was. Yeah, that was that was amazing. He got stopped. He was done. He was not going anywhere. He was done at the line of scrimmage. And then he, he honestly should have scored on that play. Like I thought he was in the end zone. That that was uh, just amazing. I think we learned who the best pass protecting running back is because they wouldn't take James Gilbert off the field. I mean, even though Brown had better stats, Jordan Brown actually had you know better numbers per carry. Gilbert was in there, I think, just because of. All the, his complete game, and Trotter's time was limited. Right now, after after coming out in his first chance at running the ball, and he did pretty well, kind of coming out of the gates there, and then he you didn't see him as much. So yeah, I, I think you're. But Gilbert, along lines. Gilbert should be the best blocking running back. Yeah, and he, he must be because they they wanted him in there as you know a little more protection for for Skyler. I was intrigued. I thought they'd throw to the tight end more. They did a little bit late in the game. You mentioned the drop, and, of course, Nick Leonard did have the big catch in that last drive. He redeemed himself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, remember what Gammon, I think, would have scored had Skyler yeah. <laughs> found him. But then again, I don't know if people see it, but what does Chris Kleiman do after he airmails that pass? Chris Kleiman's five, six steps out on the field saying, forget about it, clapping, hey, come on, push that to the side, let's go. I wish my wife that, would do that. That's part of why <laughs> Skyler's a better quarterback than he has been in wearing a K-State uniform. Yeah, and it's working with Skyler. He was he was rock solid, Kellis. He wasn't great, but he didn't make mistakes, and he was pretty efficient in what he did do. Yeah, no turnovers, still none on the whole season. So that's really, I guess, the biggest thing you want from him. Um, I did think this was a step back for him a little bit. Like the, I understand he got roughed on the gammon throw, so you can kind of forget that a little bit. But he really did airmail him by quite a bit. Um, and it, it's hard to judge completely because based on what he said after the game, he basically was in no condition of play in the third quarter yeah. after taking the IV and cramping. Um, and you could kind of see at least – from my vantage point, it looked like he was really, I don't know, working to even just lob the ball down the field on some of those throws early in the third quarter. When he's trying to hand off, it was with his off hand, and then he'd move it in his throwing hand, and then kind of, I it's don't know. It, it was just weird. It, it, 
he looked like himself again in the fourth quarter. Maybe that's why his stats weren't as good as they were the first couple of games because he basically was just limping through one quarter. But still, that's – I mean, again, he's turned into, you know, the leader, the confidence guy, kind of a warrior out there for him. And I, I think there was a little bit of Colin Klein in him there to yeah. make it through that game. We loved to use – we used that Miami game all week, like wrote about it, referenced it time and time again. And then, like, we left and we were like – yeah, that felt exactly like Miami, where they they won. You know, obviously that that back and forth never kind of gave in, even though the momentum had swung back the other way. Um, the quarterback didn't, you know, didn't blow up the stat sheet, but also at the same time he was making plays all day, and and it almost was the exact same game. It's re- kind of really funny how that worked out. You think, you think about the history of college football and how few games K State has won against SEC teams. That just blows my mind. I know. I know. But I was in I was in middle school the last time K State had won in the SEC. That was a long time ago. That was ago, a long <laughs> time ago. I was not. One more thing born. <laughs> before we go to break. Uh how impressive was the Garrett Schrader, hey, I'm a helicopter play in person? It was hilarious because we could see like it happened almost directly under the press box. At least, kind of, a, we were off to the right side. They were they were kind of to the left because they're big time. And we're seeing it happen, and then you see K State coming down this way, and you're like, they're either going to get a first down, they're going to be short, but somebody's going to die. Like I thought somebody was going to get leveled there, um, and that was just honestly, I thought he was getting the first down. I was like, this well, this is not good. I, I was uh, I was literally on that yard line. And about three yards before is when my brain said, hey, it's fourth down. He's got to jump. And he did. And just in all those milliseconds, I'm thinking John Elway. And then when he spins as high as he was <laughs> and hit, I'm like, "There's no, he can't get up. There's no way. That was amazing. It was. It was. Well, he started to pick up altitude. I was afraid he was just going to keep going all the way to the end zone. <laughs> put put that one and John Elway side by side. Yeah. It was twice as high as Elway was. Well, that picture we ran, I think it was on t- today's on front grades, page. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, he's above the heads on the sideline. Somebody, and, some, I saw somebody. Projection was nine and a half feet off the ground. That's Saturday, absurd. Eight and a half Saturday night. I was just amazed he tried it. I was surprised he ran in the first place. Although that was a bad decision. Yeah, and then was. to dive head first like that from that far away. I mean, props to him for caring that much. But there, he was. I don't know how he, he could have tried that a hundred times and not picked up the first down doing that. Mississippi State fans also in the sideline, like they're they're going crazy thinking they got the first down. I'm like, he is clearly a yard, if not two, short of that line. I don't know what they were thinking when, there. When they marked the ball and then they replayed it, I'm going. That was remarkably close, considering he seemed to take off for the jump about six yards in front of the stick, and he covered like five yards. <laughs> I mean, the wind direction changed down on the down on the field when he did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, K State gets out of Starkville with a thirty-one twenty-four victory to move to three and zero on the season. After this break, we're going to get into a little bit on the defensive side of the football and what this means for K State as the Wildcats head into an off week leading up to a game with Oklahoma State, a game that will be on ESPN Plus, and we'll bring that up too. This is the Powercat Insiders podcast on GoPowerCat.com, sponsored by Commerce Bank. Stay locked in. The Powercat podcast will be right back. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the Powercat Insiders podcast, and we have breaking news. Riley Gates got left out of the Whataburger trip on the trip to Mississippi. D. Scott Fritch and Zach Carlson left him behind like Macaulay Culkin as they went on vacation at Whataburger. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was kind of my, I will say it's kind of my fault. But it was like the trap. We were in Dallas at 11.45, and so that's lunchtime. I ate some lunch. And then when we got to the hotel, they were like, oh, let's go eat lunch. I'm like, it's 2.45. It's not exactly lunchtime. I'm not hungry. But I did not know they were going to Whataburger or I would have forced more food down my throat. Right. I went for a run instead. I mean, you've done the five patties in one trip. You could do a couple patties when you're not hungry. thought we talked about not mentioning that mentioning that again. again. I'm sorry I brought it up. Uh, Kellis Robinette, Matt Walters, and Riley Gates sitting in for uh, Ryan Black, who uh, just bailed, honestly. I, well, I mean, he literally lives across the street from our studio. Did he give a reason why he didn't come? No. Mm-mm. You know, then again, he always shows up late to press conferences, so like he could walk in here at any second. Well, he told me he wasn't coming, but, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he caught a matinee or the IMAX. <laughs> Monday afternoon? Yeah. Maybe he's having a Ryan day. If so, good for you, big yeah. fella. Good for you. A Ryan day. <laughs> we, we all need a day to ourselves. I just wish he wouldn't do it on this day. It's fair. Okay. We are uh, sponsored by Commerce Bank, and here is Matt Walters. Whatever financial challenges come your way, Commerce Bank can help. Commerce Bank challenge accepted. Okay, Matt, you established that you listened to the podcast from the week you were gone because you heard me making fun of you. Uh, how did... I want you to assess grades here for Kellis and Ryan doing the reads. We are. They're they're print guys. I know. Especially. They did fine. They're print guys. Ryan got halfway through his read and stopped. Which is like a cardinal sin. You can't do that. As I said, they're print guys. (laughs) They write. They don't talk. He's like, well, wait, is this the one Kellis read? And I'm like, you could read the same one again. It's still an ad for commerce. (laughs) All right. It's the second segment. They're not back to back. (laughs) Kansas State's defense, Kellis, did, well, compared to last year, they were incredible. Um, But, uh, you know, we talked about in the first segment how Kansas State's running game seemed better than the stats. Kylan Hill was like the opposite. He went for more than 100, but it seems like they did a pretty good job on him. They they did what they needed to do to slow down that offense for the most part. 
They did. I think Mississippi State helped them in some regards because they couldn't throw at all. Yeah. And they had to pull Tommy Stevens from the game, and Schrader was even worse than he was trying to throw the ball. There were at least two or three times where they had receivers running wild untouched downfield and they just couldn't get the ball to them so if those connect and they score touchdowns there or something then all of a sudden the stats look completely different but you know what they didn't do it so i mean give i mean give credit to scotty hazelton that defense they knew they had to stop kylan hill and they did it i mean nobody else has done it this year um kansas state couldn't do it last year when they saw him so to hold him to what did he he got over 100 but 111 100 less than last year and it was only four point something yards per rush and that's down uh eight yards from what he was that last year he averaged 12.4 yards per run last year uh so to go from that to the fours i mean great effort there i was really impressed with the defensive line jordan Mitty to me is the guy who's made the biggest i mean coach Clement talked about making a quantum leap last week with jackson Dean. jordan Mitty is the guy who's made the leap to me i i didn't think yeah. he had this kind of play in him but he's been great defensive line got some sacks um i thought that was the most encouraging part of this game is the defense could be on the field for that long and be put in tough situations by special teams and offense and still keep coming up strong jordan Mitty and trey deshaun were making plays all day trey deshaun's a different dude like like jordan Mitty was the one that was getting that got a lot of the eyes obviously because he was doing a hell of a job of like shaking his block getting in the backfield and disrupting things and then trey deshaun was doing an amazing job of like getting double teamed and still making an impact in that in that play like they have a deadly setup right now, a defensive tackle. And, like, I don't know if it's just these players have taken steps forward. They've worked harder. I don't know if it's Mike Tuiasa-Sopo is a hell of a coach and has coached them up. Like, I don't know where the credit exactly goes, but, like, I can't say enough good things about these defensive tackles right now. Trey Deshaun is like a rhino chasing you. Like, you look <laughs> at him, you're like, oh, I'm okay. I can outrun this guy. And then all of a sudden he starts chasing you. You're like, oh, crap. He's he's moving. <laughs> it's just he's hysterical to watch. He just persists and he's surprisingly fast. Different mindsets, different voices, and they've bought in. They're they're just playing at a much higher level. And and Kels brings up a good point. Mitty is he's drastically different than he was last year. Denzel Goolsby, the Big Twelve defensive player of the week. Yeah, that, we didn't even mention him. <laughs> that that caught me off guard a little bit, to be honest. I, yeah, because his interception was a nice play, but also was tipped and just right. kind of. It all goes down hands. in the stats. That's so. fair. That's fair. I get you can hit a home run one foot over the wall or a hundred feet over the wall. It's all that's one fair. home run. You get a dribbler five feet up the line, or right. That's fair. No, that's fair. Totally. I just was saying. Don't don't diminish my guys' stardom on on Saturday. And a special teams player of the week. I know he should be Malik. Not Denzel. Yeah, I, I <laughs> got that. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> I'm I'm not all here, so no. I I you know that again. That's something on TV. I knew Denzel was playing well, but I didn't know. I didn't soak in that it was that good. That he was double digit tackles and and that involved on the back end. So I mean, I just like the pre snap posturing of this defense. They're like set to be aggressive. And yet they're not overly aggressive. They're not just running around Phil Bennett style, just blitz and blitz and blitz. And they're, they're very controlled. But there was that great photo, I think Nick Leckie retweeted it, of Hill getting up off the f- ground. The only other people in the picture are 10 white jerseys surrounding him. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're Kyle Hill, you get up and go, what the, where the hell's my guys? <laughs> well, I guarantee you he was telling himself, 
five minutes into the game, this was not the defense I played against last year. Yeah. He got tired of getting hit. Their offensive line got tired of getting hit. And to Hill's credit, I mean, he was probably one of the most well-conditioned guys on the field, but it wasn't a piece of cake like it was a year ago. I thought Cal Center, they're going to have problems with that Wyatt Hubert. And I did, too. They, I did too. They, they got it done, which, I mean, heaven knows everyone wants him back, but I thought Kyle Ball did a really incredible job filling in. Yeah, he's a good player. He's uh, made big strides just like Jordan Mitty, and they've got – you know, numbers there at defensive end. You you obviously want uh, Reggie Walker and Wyatt Hebert there, but to have Kyle Ball and Bronson Massey as your backups, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned that Kylan Hill play. The one that I laughed at more was when Zuber had that horrific drop. I mean, just horrific drop. Stand still, ball hits him in the numbers, and he drops it. I think all 11 K-State players oh, were on his back. Yeah. I would have yeah, paid to, for him to be mic'd up on that play and hear what was being said there. A little he poetic just, justice. He just walked away, but he got pelted on the backside. Uh, making plays for the Cats. That was as bad as a drop as I've seen in college football. Yeah, those, there's a bunch of Mississippi State like student. I don't know if they were student interns or if they were writers for the paper or whatever, but they were all talking about that play after the game, and one of them's like, I don't know, man, that was a really that was a really tough pass to catch, and everybody's like, did you watch it? Do you know what play we're talking about? It hit him square in the hands. Not good. Yeah, I'd love to know what was said to him. But like I said, poetic justice, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, off week, Matt, what what do they need to accomplish this week? I Get healthy? I can think of one thing. Yeah? Go ahead. Which is? Um, I mean, catching punt returns. Oh, yes. <laughs> or asking for fair catches on punt returns. Or, or not catching. Or just run away. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I would think they'll get a day or two off. I so it's good timing. I like, I like how it's set up this year. Three non-cons, break, and then... You know, you play a couple of conference games, break. I think it comes at a good time for the Cats. Uh, it's just, I think it's same thing, different day for Coach Kleiman and companies. Let's just get a little bit better today. Let's improve it. Let's become better at special teams and catching those short mm-hmm. punts that knuckleball or wobble your way. But, they, hey, this is a. I think this is a good setup. Two weeks off, Pistol Pete has the mad cow. This weekend, and I typically have a letdown. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> Didn't know Robert was in our studio. <laughs> right. They typically, if they beat Texas again down in Austin, it's going to be the fifth straight time. It's going to be a little bit of a letdown, I bet, by Oklahoma State. Yeah. Well, how are you not? I mean, and they got some concerns, anyways. You know, they're pretty. You know, like Mike Gundy kept talking about it today on the teleconference too, like how just how inexperienced they are at, at positions, and that really serves well. We saw how good K-State was against Nichols when it had, you know, multiple weeks to prepare on film. Okay. Now they get two weeks to prepare for a toss-up. Because this is, you know, when we went through the schedule, this is a toss-up game right. that we identified, and it's on the road. So maybe you you leaned a little bit more towards Oklahoma State because it's a toss-up and it's in their place. But with the way K-State's playing, with having two weeks to prepare, you got to feel good about that. And and you can honestly kind of split your time and maybe do a little bit of Baylor prep if you wanted to. But at the same time, they kind of seem like a staff that like li- they literally mean it. Hey, we literally take it one game at a time. They're one of the first staffs that I actually believe that with. There's been a lot of changes from the Bill Snyder era to this, but I think, Kelsey, one that really caught me off guard early in the season before the first game was when Chris Kleiman said they spent – 
extra time on nickels. Like, you know, they had game week, but before that, in the week before they were working on nickels, that was always dedicated to whomever Bill Snyder had identified. Maybe Oklahoma State or Oklahoma, whomever he wanted to spend some extra time on. Not the FCS team. But it, it seems to me that he was so determined that they were going to have a good experience in game one of the season that he was willing to dedicate some extra time to Nichols. And now, as Matt said, he's got the same window here before Oklahoma State. We spend a little more time on the Cowboys, lock in, to make sure you get off to a good start in the league. Do you think that's what they'll do? I, sure. I don't see any reason why they would focus on anybody else. Yeah, I mean, um, or just fundamentals. Design I mean, more things to stop Chuba. That's a deadly <laughs> offense. They're going to need to. I will I will say it's it's weird um, saying this, but I, I kind of feel less optimistic about their chances in Stillwater now than I did before they beat Mississippi State. Now Just explain because that. Oklahoma State's offense is so different, and they can throw the ball, and they can put up a lot of points. I just think it's going to be – their offense is going to – it's going to be a shootout, I think. I, I, I do too. And this offense is, you know, slow it down as they are. It'll be interesting to see how they – Combat that because um, Oklahoma State. I, I still, I still probably, yeah. I still probably pick K State in that game. But I was weird, oddly, slightly more confident before I saw Mississippi State just overthrowing wide open receivers. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not hearing good reviews. Of Oklahoma State the people have watched them. That they have some real issues with defense. I mean, they were having problems with Tulsa for heaven's sakes. So I think it's an intriguing matchup and certainly offers the Cats an opportunity to get off to a good start. And they will do it on ESPN Plus, 6 p.m. That caught me completely off guard. I thought it was kind of, you know, here's your game every year that you usually do your own thing with. And we're going to show that on ESPN Plus. But nope, they've assigned inventory beyond that onto ESPN Plus. Catch you off guard, Matt? Yes. I'm, I'm floored that... KU and TCU is on FS1 and that this game is on plus. I heard on Saturday it was probably going to happen, so I wasn't shocked about it. But um, Kellis, could you do I, a story on why <laughs> it's happened so my guys don't have to? Um, well, I, I am looking into it because um, just like you, I believe before the season they said specifically that they weren't going to put conference games on it so it's a little odd the only thing i can think of is that maybe they just wanted the 6 p.m time slot because all the other ones are earlier in the day maybe espn just didn't physically have a network or something to accommodate them there and that's why they put it on that um for me personally i stream everything every anyway <laughs> so it's not you know the biggest I, deal to me but i i certainly understand why if fans who don't know how to do it or never done it before or physically can't do it or are upset. I sense ESPN does not see this as a slight. Well, they, yeah. they might be putting it there to try and entice people right. just to buy the thing. But if you stop and think about it, if they show this game on ESPN News, ESPN Ocho, whatever they want to show it on, <clears throat> their revenue is their revenue. If they move it over to ESPN Plus and they pick up 10,000 subs off of that, they just made $50,000 on top of whatever advertising revenue they're bringing in. I don't think they see this as like a slight, as as the lo lowest rung on the, the media ladder that they're offering. And I think their intention is to make a, send a message that, no, this is a viable venue for us to put our games on. 
and you're thinking of it as the throwaway games, by God, no, we're going to put games on here. And you can argue it's the best game of the Big 12 slate that weekend, and it's on ESPN+. Plus. I think they're trying to strong-arm people into sub- subscribing. That That's my con- – well, I don't know if you want to call it conspiracy theory. It's probably not technically that, but <laughs> – that you know, you start off the season on ESPN Plus. Not just K State; a lot of teams did. Hold on, if you say it's conspiracy theory, I will believe it. Oh, I know. That's kind of why I wanted to say that. Uh, okay. Because I know you how much how much you love conspiracy theories. I but do. a bunch of teams start off the season on ESPN Plus, and so everybody's like, "Oh, I, I want to watch the first game. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go!" And then it may have, you know, I'm guessing it did decent in that first week, and then they probably looked at it and said, "Look." It can piss K-State fans off. It can piss Oklahoma State fans off that they have to go buy this service. But guess what? Everybody that complained today about it, they're going to go buy ESPN+. Plus. They might cancel it right away. They might just use the free trial, but they're going to sign up to watch that game. So they're going to, like you said, make a bunch of money off of it. Well, they sent a message to everyone that any game yeah. could be on there that, that we have. I'm a little intrigued here because this is beyond the Tier 3 rights. This is, this is not a Tier 3 game. They've already played that card with... McNeese for Oklahoma State. I think it was McNeese State. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, and Nichols. Yeah, so this is extra for both teams. No, but Oklahoma State was the third. It's KU, K-State, and Oklahoma State are the three that are already committed to Big 12 now. And then three more come on next year, and then Texas and Oklahoma somewhere in the future. I was just floored that Baylor and Iowa State got the 230 slot on ESPN, ESPN2, or ABC. Like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. It's not a good game. Well, I, I, I'm with Fitz. I think they, they think this is a better time slot. Yeah. I mean, K State fans can certainly disagree with that, but I think in their mind, they look at a 6 p.m. game on ESPN Plus as the better, better, uh, I don't know, exposure point or whatever you want to call it. And in the future, probably not so far off, getting a game streaming could be viewed as the better place to be because most people will be able to get it. They don't have to worry about their cable package or, um, you know, people bickering over cable fee rights and knocking channels off their systems. Like, you know, I went through with my provider for a while. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. It's a head scratcher. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. But that game will be on ESPN+. Plus. We'll have, you know, instructions again at Go Powercat about how to get on ESPN+, Plus. what you need to do. It's really not that difficult, but we'll walk you through it. Um, and I don't know. It's going to be a big game, especially if Oklahoma State wins against Texas. A monumental game. I went out on Twitter last night and <laughs> said this game was a, like a third or fourth dark horse to maybe beat game day if they beat Texas. Now it's not going to be. <laughs> or, or or will it most certainly be? Would they do that with a game on ESPN Plus? Why not? It's better than a game on CBS or Fox for them. Mm. I think it could be. The problem is they just there's like there's two other games that like are probably going to get it before. And you don't know what those are. One's a Pac-12 one. It's it, Utah and somebody. This is your restaurant Tyler moment. <laughs> I mean, I can go pull it up if you want me to. No, I'm just no, not just very interested in doing it right now. The the thing that has struck me as funny about all this is the people who are outraged about it. I get why. Well, I mean, if you legit cannot get ESPN Plus, if you don't have the capabilities where you live, then be mad. That's great, but it just kind of – I've seen people say it's going to kill recruiting. It's going to kill exposure. It's going to kill all these things. No one other than K-State or Oklahoma State fans are going to watch it. I, I think a lot of people have ESPN+. Plus. I, I don't watched. think it's that big of a – I mean, I don't think it's this black hole people are making it out to be. No. I, last... think, I think you're better off there than on FS1. I think more people get ESPN+, Plus than FS1. 
probably. I my, last my Friday in Memphis didn't get FS1. Interesting. Last Friday when I couldn't watch the Boston College Kansas game, I was hoping that it would be on ESPN Plus and it wasn't. Nobody can get the ACC network. Um, you can stream it on ESPN Plus though. No, no you you've, got, you've got to have it on your service, and I'm UVerse, and they don't have it. Oh, really? You were Cox, probably. I, I did they not have any way of watching on yeah. ESPN Plus. Huh. So I um, get it then. I don't know. I, That's what I was trying to figure well, out. Well, you have to sign in at some point with your provider. So no, you, you don't. Yeah, you do. If you have a provider and you plug it in, then you get games that are off of ESPN. Okay, not maybe that, on ESPN Plus. I signed up separately. So it showed me that game on ESPN Plus, but when I kicked, clicked it, it said your provider doesn't allow you to view this game because they don't have ACC. Huh. And it didn't even pop up on mine. But, All right, um, well, it's better than the ACC network, too. <laughs> well, and, but the Pac- my, and the Pac-12 network. My point was is I went, okay, and I clicked on Wake Forest and North Carolina, Carolina, which was on my TV. I didn't need ESPN Plus. But I watched on ESPN Plus because it was right there, and it, the stream for me was fine. And I don't even have that good of stream, and it was looked high def to me. Maybe not a lot of people were watching that game. It is ACC football. <laughs> that was a non-conference game. This is so weird. I don't. I still like we read the story three times, and I still don't understand how it, it was a non-con. Uh, it's just the opposite of the Big Twelve, where every game counts. <laughs> some of the games count, and some of them aren't some, even conference games. Some do, some don't. That's just so weird. That's oh, we need a, we need a non-conference game. So do we. <laughs> Virginia plays Notre Dame, and Washington State plays Utah that weekend. So There's no way K State and Oklahoma State's going to be game day. Those teams would all need to lose. And then you'd need to hope that they didn't do some crap and put it at a bad SEC game. Just because, I'll tell you where game day is going to be that day. Where? Uh, Hutch. (laughs) (laughs) I feel confident saying it won't be. (laughs) Because you'll have number one and number two, Hutch and Butler, playing one another. And the guest picker is Jason Brown. (laughs) Hell yeah. Uh, I'm down. If the people in the Jayhawk Conference would crap if Jason Brown walked in and be part of their big game of the year. I'll actually volunteer K-State, Oklahoma State to lose college game day if they do a JUCO game with Jason Brown as the picker. (laughs) That would be worth it. This has been the Powercat Insiders Podcast. Uh, I don't know how inside we got today, but uh, I do feel bad for Riley get left out of Whataburger. And we dedicate this show to Ryan Black. Um, He's probably still eating at Restaurant Tyler. That's why he back. <laughs> he just he felt back at home. He stayed in Mississippi. <laughs> exactly. He's probably mourning. He was like back in the South, and he just felt so home. He was with his peeps, and now he's back with the Northerners, and he does not know how to deal with it. And sitting in a small room with us was not on his agenda today. Maybe next week. <laughs> oh, he'll be here. After this, he'll be here. We appreciate you listening. We're sponsored by Commerce Bank. Follow along at gopowercat.com for podcasts every day, except for this week when we have no pregame or postgame podcast for some reason. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Powercat Insiders Podcast presented by Commerce Bank. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. Gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.